Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD parenting, collaborative conversations with ADHD kids. And I'm so grateful that Delane Taylor-Kloss um, is joining us for the show because we're going to get to the real difficult stuff, uh, the hard stuff, and really kind of uh, confront things kind of head on, if you will. So I'm really kind of excited about this show. Uh, before we get into it, uh, some announcements real quick. Our program tonight is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, better known as CHAD. Celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free copies of Attention Magazine. Um, all you have to do is listen to our show. We're going to share a secret word throughout the show a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Write that secret word down and email me. Uh, my email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and when I receive it, I'll get it off to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current issue of Attention Magazine, and we'll send you a PDF copy of the next one when it is printed. Okay, it's uh, it's not too uh, early uh, to start planning for the 2020 Annual International Conference on ADHD. Originally, it was scheduled uh, to be in Dallas, Texas, but because of uh, uh, COVID-19, it's uh, been turned into a virtual conference for the very first time. It's uh, going to take place on November the 5th through the 7th. To learn more, all you have to do is go to chadd.org. I'm very excited about this. Um, we like the personal interaction, which is really, really important. But uh, I think that we've got a Chad's got a vendor that they're going to use, so it's not just going to be regular telesum. There's going to be some interaction built into this. And I know um, I'm fortunate enough. I'm being, I'm presenting. I'll be. Uh, do, pre-taping it, but there'll be a Q&A in the, in the, about the presentation kind of during the day that it's scheduled, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. So anyway, uh, for everybody who has not gone to this conference because uh, you haven't been able to travel, there's no reason not to go. Uh, you've got to participate. Again, it's chadd.org. Our program is being brought to you by Chad, so we've got a little tip we're going to run, and we'll be right back. Have you always wanted to attend the annual international conference on ADHD, but couldn't because it was too expensive? This year, you're in luck. The 2020 conference is going virtual. You and your family will have the benefit of enjoying the conference from the comfort of your own home. Get ready to interact with speakers and participants from around the globe. Learn more at theadhdconference.org. Thank you very much, uh, Chad, for your support of our show. Uh, for those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. It's all of our interest to make sure that Chad is uh, is financially sound because they advocate by going to Capitol Hill and talking to regulatory agencies, and we need them to be speaking with a unified voice to kind of help get uh, support and accommodations that help with those with ADHD thrive. You can donate or become a member at their website at chadd.org. If you, uh, if you become a member, it's a little bit better because you get a lot of member benefits, so we encourage you to do that. All right, so uh, I'm real excited about this show. It was taped in advance, so uh, we're going to roll the tape. Um, very insightful, and uh, I, I'm very excited, very gr- grateful Elaine came onto the show because we really talk about some of the real hard-hitting issues uh, with regard to being parents working with kids that I think everyone should know. So with, uh, without further ado, here we go. Elaine Taylor-Kloss is a veteran healthcare and parenting advocate 
Elaine is a writer and a certified co-active coach, a public speaker, and advisor for families raising kids with complex needs. Her experience as a co-parent with her husband, David, and their ADHD++ family of five led Elaine to become a parenting coach and a voice for parents whose children struggle with the fundamentals of life and learning. She's the co-founder of ImpactParents.com and ImpactADHD.com, both are global support, training, and coaching resources for parents of kids with ADHD and related challenges. She's the co-creator of Sanity School, a behavior therapy training for parents and teachers. She's the co-author of Parenting ADHD Now, Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, and the author of upcoming book, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids with ADHD, Anxiety, and More. She's a graduate of Wellesley University. You can find more about her by going to her websites, uh, impactadhd.com. And with that, Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is awesome to be here. Always love to have you here. Um, Last week we did a show um, talking about parents and mindsets. Um, Parents of complex kids, uh, I think, have a real difficult time. They have this expectation that tip tricks and strategies are going to help them. In in our last show, we talked about how if you're drowning in a sea of those, uh, you're probably paying attention to the wrong thing, and it's really about the process and problem solving. And we outlined a whole bunch of stuff in that. But one of the things that I've heard so many people talk about is that collaborative conversation with your kid. Mm. And I think it's really to say we know. It would be great if we had that collaborative conversation, but the execution of that and success with that seems to me to be immensely difficult for parents, particularly if they don't have any training, don't know what's going on. So I, I really like to learn something from you about this today because we know that it's great. We know it's spectacular, but actually getting to that point in time with our kids is, is, is not a simple task, is it? No, it's really not. And it's, and I would like to say that it's, it's, it should be intuitive and we all know how to do this naturally. Um, but, but the truth is we're humans and we have a tendency to be defensive and, um, and we, we get caught up in expectations and shoulds. And so being able to be in a collaborative conversation is a, is a, like learning how to do that is, is a series of skills, not even a skill, but it's a, it's a process of, of learning how to be collaborative because we don't tend to be raised that way. We don't tend to come from that approach. So, and maybe it so, might help to explain what I mean by collaborative because as I'm hearing myself saying, I'm like, this feels really out there, right? Yeah, so I, I definitely want to do that. But at the end of the day, it's about learning this thing that I'm hearing is unnatural, and I, maybe it's not fair to say it's unnatural. It's not natural for everybody, right? Some okay. people tend to be more autocratic. Some people more authoritarian. Some more democratic. Like pe- people, people have their propensities, and so mm-hmm. some of us, I think, do tend to be more collaborative than others. You know, some uh-huh. of us want everybody to get along and want everybody to agree and are more mediators. Um, and so for those people, collaborative conversations are going to be more natural and easier than for others who kind of see a right and a wrong and look for the order and the structure and the rules, who may have a harder yeah. time with it. So, so let's get into it. What is a collaborative conversation or what is collaborative? So by collaborative conversation, what I'm talking about is, is being in a – in a relationship or a conversation with someone where you're working together to achieve a goal. 
um, mm -hmm. generally to achieve a goal. But so by collaborative, it means I'm not, as a parent, standing in my door barking orders and telling you what to do with my hands on my hips, but mm -hmm. I am sitting with you, next to you, working with you as a team to try to figure out what needs to be done next or how to help you be successful. So collaboration is about working together. It's a team approach as opposed to typical old paradigms of parenting, which tend to be more authoritarian. You need to do this because I said so. Mm -hmm. And our kids don't tend to respond well to you need to do this because I said so. And you may get them to do it, but even if you do, you haven't gotten them to understand the process of self-management because they're just checking off a box. They're not actually learning how to, how to figure out how to, how to manage yep. themselves. Okay. So I love this. I get to, you get, everybody, I get to learn something here, <laughs> aren't you? So working together. I, I know that as a parent, I want to work together. But if I've got an ADHD kid who sometimes working together takes work. It requires them to think, which is taxing on the working memory. It requires sometimes a, a level of self-regulation. So I feel like those forces are working against me. Um, sounds really good. In their heart, they might want to do it. But the reality is, it's, I, how do you get a team to work with you uh -huh. when they're, all they care about is a text that they're getting from the opposite sex? Who? Uh -huh. Help me here. <laughs> Go straight there, Dizzy. <laughs> well, so well, I'm thinking about it. it's like a lot of us think we're collaborative as long as our kids are uh, as are compliant, right? As long as they're doing what we say, we realize that we don't have collaboration when um, when they start having their own mind and their own. They stop. So kids up until about the age of you know, give or take 12, are still motivated by pleasing the adults in their world. They're motivated by pleasing their parents and their teachers. They want to make us happy. And, and so they yep. tend to be fairly compliant. Maybe these days, maybe that's shifting closer to 10 instead of 12. But developmentally, they're going to be motivated by pleasing us to some level. Mm -hmm. As they hit puberty and they start individuating differently, they're no longer going to be motivated by pleasing us. They are now motivated, and they're supposed to be. They're wired to be motivated by pleasing themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a developmental shift that is normal and exactly what we would expect them to be doing, and it's what we want them to be doing. But if we haven't established or don't establish a collaborative conversation with them where we're working together as a team, then they're going to go off on their own because they're now interested in themselves and they don't really care as much about pleasing us. So, and I'm not sure if that exactly answered the question, but I think it's a context for it because the collaborative conversation, the sense of we're in it as a team, once they shift into that and start developing that, that individual self and ego, we have to start collaborating with them by figuring out what's in it for them, not for us. So we're not going to get our kids to do their homework or clean their room or, you know, all these things we ask them to do because we said so anymore. We're not necessarily going to get it to do it because they want their allowance anymore. And we're probably not going to get them to do it because it's good for them, right? Kids aren't going to do that or learn that or whatever because it's good for them and they need to learn this when they become an adult. That is not a strong motivator for a 14-year-old. Right. Mm -hmm. So we need to we need to get into their mind's eye and understand where they're coming from. You know, we talked last week about curiosity. We need to, to understand what's motivating them, what's important to them. 
so that we can continue to work as a team with them, understanding their interests, not just ours. And as parents, we tend to hold the agenda and then be frustrated that they haven't taken on our agenda. When the truth is collaboration is about helping them see it as their agenda and helping them take ownership of the agenda. My goal is not to get my kids to do their homework. My, get my, my goal is to get my kids to see their education as their job than something they feel they want and are responsible for, as an example. So that's the shift. Hmm. It's not from do what I say. It's, it's, it, at the end of the day, collaboration is about who owns the agenda. Who's feeling responsible for whatever it is we're trying to do? And as long as we own the agenda more than they do, then they they don't have any real need to do it because we're going to hold it for them. I mean, I get this a lot from parents of teenagers, right, who are really, really really concerned they want their kid to finish this class or graduate or, you know, not fail a class or whatever. And the parent is so invested in it, the kid doesn't even have to be. Yep. So – while you're saying this, you're saying we have to work with it, not against it. And as you said, they become more pleasing themselves. And so mm-hmm. as a parent, pleasing themselves is about the now. In fact, I've got this um, – somebody made a, a, a quote on a YouTube video that I had. Is, you know, basically um, – see if I get the quotes right, right here. It was, um, I simply won't get the same dopamine boost from reading a textbook as I do from playing online games or watching YouTube videos. So I'm going to pick the latter every time. I'm not as motivated by having a reward at the end as I am by having rewards built into every moment of the activity. I thought that was a was pretty pronounced. Yes, (laughs) but it is. But as I'm reading that, I'm, that's the reality. But as a parent, I want them to, to, to do what they need to do to get the long-term reward. So, again, I think I'm framing out this is not a simple conversation to get into because they like the, the reward built into every moment. And sometimes it's, it's hard, really well, hard to get and, into. And it. so the only way to shift it is for them to see the value in the delayed gratification. For, for it to be their agenda, something they want more than that immediate gratification. And I agree, reading a textbook is probably not it. But, you know, if they're at a certain point, it may be that they have a vision of where they want to go to school. or You know, there, there is something else you can connect them to. And the, and the idea is for them to begin to put those parameters in place for themselves. So right now I'm getting that immediate dopamine hit when I play the game. If I own the agenda and I'm trying to get myself to do my homework, then I can set it up that when I get done with my homework, I get to go have those dopamine hits, right? I get ah. the video game. But that's I've got to own the I've got to own the agenda, I've got to own the process, I got to have buy-in, and and I've got to be the one willing to to begin to learn to put limits in place for myself. If somebody else is doing it for me, I'm going to find a way around it. Mhm. Cuz I don't own it. Absolutely. So this is a great stopping off point. And, and by the way, all the parents that are listening to this, 
I can feel the fur on the back of your neck <laughs> kind of going on in. I can't too. <laughs> and I, I, I'm just trying to meet you where you are. I get you. I, I hear where you are. But this is a real conversation. This is we're getting to the real stuff. This is not talked about out there a lot, but this is really kind of what's going on. And it's this mindset I think you're going to have a lot more success with long term. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about this because I really want to talk about the level of self-awareness of these kids because we want them to be aware, but we have a bit of a challenges. So we'll talk about when we come back. For the parents out there, you've got to go to impactadhd.com. You've got to go check it out. They've got a lot of resources. Our secret word tonight is collaborative. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents. And Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and Executive Function Challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss, and we are having a conversation about the real-world reality. What sounds like an easy thing, a collaborative conversation with your ADHD team is actually a bit of a challenge. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the notion of this and understanding developmentally where the kids were and kind of meeting them where they are. And I totally loved what you were saying, but one of the things that uh, is interesting about people with ADHD is they, they struggle with self-awareness. And so part of this is we're trying to help them with self-awareness. And I think it's, it's been said if you just take a person's age with ADHD and, and take 25% off of it, that's kind of the decision-making uh, where they are. Capacity, so if you've got a 15-year yeah. capacity, you might be dealing with a 12- or 13-year-old. So talk us about this because as, as you're having this conversation, the word patience is really cool. starting to well up inside of me. And it's really starting to ache my heart a bit. So can you just talk to us about this a little bit because um, the awareness and the patience, because this is not a, a fix. This is a process, i got to believe. 
Yeah, so so lots of things came up as you said that. Um, the, the the language we use, you know, Russ Barkley talks about it as a 30% developmental delay. We often talk with parents about taking what we call the three to five challenge. So when your kid is struggling with something, so this is not all areas of development, but if there's something they're struggling, a level of, of independence they're having a hard time attaining, take three to five years off. So are they in that area, are they eight going on nine, are they eight going on five or six, right? Um, and it really helps us to set expectations. So a big part of the work that we do when we talk about creating collaborative conversations is to set the stage by, by thinking about what are the expectations we're setting for our kids and are they realistic? And I'm not talking about lowering expectations, but as you say, it's meeting them where they are developmentally, not where they are chronologically. So this is a really important component to being able to set expectations that are appropriate to where our kids are. So that's, that's one sort of area to understand and learn, and it's, it's a really important piece of the puzzle when it comes to, to parenting these kids. So once you've got that, you've got a reasonable expectation for, for, you know, is it reasonable to expect my nine-year-old to go upstairs and shower by himself independently while I'm making dinner? Probably not. There probably needs to be a little bit of intervention there, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I lost the thread because um, <laughs> I wanted so, to go there. Well, we were talking about take three to five years off. We're setting expectations and understanding where they are developmentally in the context of a collaborative conversation. And so when you sit there and you're dealing with the situation, you've got to kind of pause, take a look mm-hmm. at the situation, and not reflexively react to it. And you have to meet them where they are and think about what you've got to problem solve. Yeah, and, and you talked about that, the, the frustration of the patients. So yep. part of what happens when we shift our expectations, we are able to be with where they are and not be worried about where we thought they should be or what we should be doing as a parent or, you know, we, the term I often use is we tend to should all over ourselves. We get caught mm-hmm. up in this environment and, and that's going to set the tone for how we interact with them. So, so shifting expectations is essential to be able to manage the frustration and to, and to be more patient and to, to pay attention to, to where they are, not where we wish they were. And so then, um, you were talking about uh, about helping them learn new ways of being with things, right? Uh-huh. And and mm-hmm. their awareness. Part of that is is raising their awareness without judgment or shame, right? And so to be able to say, um, I get that it's really hard for you to stay focused on that, or I, you know, have have you noticed that? Um, that once you get started, you're doing great, but getting started seems to be a real struggle for you. Or, you know, anything that raises their awareness to how they function without feeling judgment or shame around it. And that's the key mm-hmm. is that we tend to do it unintentionally imposing shame and blame. We don't really mm. mean, we don't know we're doing it. We don't mean to be doing it. I read a piece once called, Are You, Secret- Are you Unintentionally Calling Your Child an Idiot? And we do it with our tone of voice all the time, right? I used to do it to my son. I used to unintentionally call him a slacker all the time. And, and the truth is, you know, he's actually really efficient, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he doesn't like to expend a lot of energy. Um, but there was something in how I was saying it that, that he was feeling judged by it, and rightfully so. He was right to feel that way because I wasn't checking my, my judgment at the door because I was frustrated, so part of I, <clears throat> what's bubbling up for me in this conversation is as we're getting into the collaborative is understanding where they are 
But Elaine, you know, one thing to me, ADHD is an issue of self-regulation. And you have to mm-hmm. regulate your attention and you have to regulate your emotion. <clears throat> and when you're a parent and you're frustrated and you're trying to get your kid to do something, you actually often are exhibiting the same problem because you're having a hard time regulating your emotion. You tend mm-hmm. to escalate. You tend to <clears throat> you tend to you give a sermon. I learned from my mom years ago, the, the more you preach to a kid, the more the kid's in control because you're showing your willingness to negotiate, which is interesting. But I tell this story. My older son, I don't know, he was like 14 or 15 one time. And I was sitting there, and he had this boneheaded mood thing that he was doing. I saw myself just starting to, like, rage, and all of a sudden I looked down, and I'm like, wait a second. In this moment, <clears throat> I looked at him, and I go, he's going through puberty. Like, he's got all – his brain's released all these hormones and stuff that's changing his body and the way he thinks. And I'm like, <clears throat> he's intoxicated. Like, who am I? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm yelling at a drunk. Like, how stupid is this? And I was able to calm <laughs> myself down and say, okay – He's going to be intoxicated, but I've got to wait for a point in time that he's more sober. And I'm sharing that with a moment because it took me a moment of realization to look at him and say, wait a second, raging with hormones. He's going through puberty. I'm crazy to be yelling at this intoxicated drunk. And I was able to downregulate. So in those situations, as a parent, you've got to manage your own um, emotions. I say that. The other thing, too, is mm-hmm. that reflexive emotion. We have a tendency just to – emotions is, to me, very much a reflex, and to jump in and point out the negative. And we've got to inhibit that <clears throat> because the shame and blame doesn't help us to get into that collaborative relationship. And it takes a lot of effort to pause and actually think of how to reframe it. Um, well, and, and they're kind of they're, – there are a couple of pieces to it, right? So I was just working yep. with a client yesterday, and we were on Zoom. And she's the mom of a 9-year-old, single mom really, really introverted mom, really, really extroverted, nine-year-old with ADHD in a pandemic, right? So yep. locked into a, an apartment with each other. Um, and so that already is a recipe for failure, for disaster, <laughs> right? And so you got a kid bouncing off the wall and the mom who's like freaking out. So her words were actually great. She was doing such a jo- great job. She was trying to be calm. I could hear it in her voice, but I was watching her face. So it's not just what we say, right? But 90% of communication is nonverbal. So even if we're using all the right words and we're saying, I really understand how you feel that way, and we're acknowledging them and having compassion, if our face looks like we're ready to explode (laughs) or cry, (laughs) we're still communicating, I'm frustrated with you, Mm -hmm. right? You're not meeting my expectations, Yep. And so, and that's at the end of the day, that's what we're communicating is you are not meeting my expectations. You are failing me. And, wow. and so they're going to internalize that and they're going to feel that and they're going to get defensive, rightfully so, and, and defend themselves or go on the offense. So I am, I am more and more, by the way, I'm so grateful you came on the show because I'm learning so much as we peel this on you back. More and more, it's kind of looping around. It's almost like whether you have ADHD or not, you have a self-regulation problem when you're trying mm-hmm. to control and preach to the kid. And it's really about you actually learning to pause and downregulate your emotions and, and pause and effortlessly shift your language and your behavior from the negative more to a positive. And it's really hard to see the positive when you are stressed out or you have pressure and you're trying to get something done from a negative. And that is not an easy thing to do, which is why we're having this conversation because often, particularly if you have complex kids, getting somebody to help you learn these skills and this awareness on your own is important if you're going to help the, the kids get the awareness. So in a sense, yeah, absolutely. And, and what you're saying, I want to I just add to it really quickly because it's not just down-regulating in terms of doing, but there's this 
that's where we go back to mindset. It's, it's also how we're being. And so we have to do our work to, to not just behave like we're calm, but to actually find the ways to learn to calm down and to be calmer wow. and not just think calmer or, or act calmer. Yep. It's, and that's, that can be hard for a lot of us. Absolutely. I'm looking at the time. <clears throat> we need to run to to break real quick. Uh, come back. I want to continue this conversation because I really like where we are uh, for parents out there. And again, I know the fur's up on your back, but it's really about mindset and really trying to help you talk about. People talk about collaborative conversation all the time, but I think we're really unpacking how difficult it is and how hard it is to execute. So more after the break. Before I leave, we go to break. I'm reminding you, go check out impactadhd.com. There's lots of, a lot of great information. Um, Sanity School is a great product that they have that are helping parents learn parenting, uh, coaching skills for their kids. Our uh, secret word tonight is collaborative. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an EDGE coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are um, having a very real, honest, open conversation about parenting complex kids. Uh, It really comes down to mindset. It really comes down to the collaborative conversation and... uh, as parents, we love our kids. We want the best of our kids. We want them to do what we want them to do so that they have a very fulfilling and happy life. And sometimes that level of love actually is working against us, and we start to try too hard. And now we're it's, – it's really interesting to me because I almost feel like in order to be a collaborative conversation, you've got to manage your own ADHD metaphorically. Whether you have it or not, it's about self-regulation because this is a lot counterintuitive. And if you're going to do that, you need to learn it yourself first, and it's not an easy thing to learn, which is why a professional might help. So am I oversimplifying this in terms of, of what, what it's all about? It is about self-regulation, and it's about hard, and it's about problem-solving, and we're not trained that way, and getting some help in that process makes some sense. Again, am, am I misrepresenting yep. that? No, I think that's right on target. I mean, at the end of the day, we the, one of the – Number one things we work with parents on is calming down and stopping yelling because 
you know, when you're yelling, you may get them to achieve to, to do what you ask them to do in the short term, but you're not cultivating a healthy relationship long term. You're not teaching them the problem solving skills. You're not engendering trust. And and it's you know, it's not serving the bigger goal of what you're trying to achieve. And so learning how to calm ourselves down and and let me be clear, we, we yell in lots of ways. Some people yell by raising their voice, some people yell by hiding in the closet. <laughs> so, you know, fight or flight comes in lots of ways. And when we are disengaging, um, or when when the issue becomes about us instead of about them, that's when we know we've got some work to do on ourselves to, to calm ourselves down, whether it's, you know, from yelling or or to re engage from being disconnected. Yeah, and so I like this because, to me, this is where the conflict comes in. When it mm. becomes about us and not about them. Exactly. So I can see in a situation – we live in a society right now where there's all kinds of forces. There's all kinds of pressures, whether um, it's judgment between people, time frames. You're trying to get somewhere. People are relying on you, and sometimes you just need the kid to go do it. This shifted from them to you, and now we have mm-hmm. a conflict. And it's really right. easy to get sucked into some of that stuff. So I'm hearing one is simplicity in your life, number one, for lots of margin. <laughs> uh, and lots of flexibility is one of those two. But also that I think the reason that this thing is so complicated is our world is so complicated and there's lots of demands. This is actually being taped during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so when you're home trying to work um, mm-hmm. remotely and your spouse is working remotely and you have ADHD kids that are not going to school or trying to go to school, at some point in time, it's about you to get your work done, to provide the resources, to take care of the kids. And so now we can see how complicated this actually gets, which is, mm-hmm. which is one of those things where I'm just – again, parents, I can feel the fur coming up on your neck. But again, that's why this is so difficult. That's why it's really helpful to get some, some help and to be patient and forgiving and take care of yourself. Well, and so here's what I just want to throw in there, because I think COVID has been this extraordinary opportunity for people in a lot of ways. I think we've missed the opportunities often because it's overwhelming. (laughs) But there is something about by being at home, our kids are beginning to see us as humans with work, right? We're not just some, you know, face attached to a food or or a, you know, Internet (laughs) provider, (laughs) You know, we're real people, and and it's actually been an amazing opportunity for collaboration because everybody's beginning to see, okay, I got to get my schoolwork done, you got to get your work done, you got to go out, you like, we got to get the grocery shopping done, and there's been a lot of opportunity for families to see the multi-dimensionality of their parents, and and that's actually the more we can make ourselves human, the more transparent we can be with our kids about who we are and what our issues are without making our issues their issues, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the trick. Um, the, the more they're going to be willing to work with us because if we treat them as human and they, they'll begin to treat us as human. But if we, you know, are barking out orders, they're just going to get resistant because they want, they want a basic modicum of respect. <laughs> you know, this, is, yep. this isn't really complicated on one level. This is about mutual respect. And, and I was saying to a client this week, our goal here is to earn our kids' respect, not to demand it. And yeah, so, we earn their respect by working with them, by being reasonable, by being open, by being transparent, by admitting when we make mistakes. Those are the ways that we engender trust and respect. And, and, and you said a word there that I really want to stop and go earn. Yeah, yeah. When you earn something, 
it is over a period of time. Yeah. If you're – this is just my opinion, and I'll be anxious for you to, to, to share your thoughts on this, Elaine. If you go to your kid and you try, try to treat them as a human being for the first time, I'm not so sure they're going to respond really, really quickly because they're a little skeptical. Yeah. They're like, what yeah, is it this? it takes time. You're, if they're you're teenagers, gonna to it's going to take a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need to do this over a long period of time. In other words, you have to give and give and give and have faith. Have faith that yeah. at some point in time it's going to kick in. And who knows? Maybe a month, maybe six months, maybe not till they get out of college. But you have to put blind faith into this a little bit, and you have to realize it's going to take a lot of time for it because you have to model it and demonstrate it and live it for them to get it. And if you think that you're just going to walk in and do it in one or two conversations, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And well, but so this goes back to what I was saying earlier about it's part of it is about how we be because the truth is that if you're authentic in it, it can happen pretty quickly. Because mm. kids are authentic barometers. Like, they get authenticity. They know when you're being true and, and walk in your talk and when you're being a hypocrite. Or they know when you're saying it but not really doing it or believing it, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. they're, they're actually really, you know, we worry about our kids lying all the time. The truth is they're truth tellers and they can read it. And so if we can, if we are authentic in in our collaborative efforts with them, if we're authentic and being transparent and not just trying to prove something, mm-hmm. they're going to get it. And it's really, to me, I think it's extraordinarily extraordinary how quickly things can shift. And I, I've worked wow. with a lot of families. I mean, let's be honest. I would, it's easier to work with parents of six, seven, and eight-year-olds, right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's way easier than parents of 16 to 18-year-olds. Because mm-hmm. by, by the time the kids are, you know, older teens, there is a lot of unpacking to do before we can repack. Yep. Um, but I have, I have witnessed massive transformations happen in families when parents have stopped trying to force their kids to be what they wanted to be and started trying to figure out who their kids were openly and, mm-hmm. and honestly and stopped, you know, especially this is very common in kids who also have anxiety or have school refusal issues or are struggling with school for a lot of reasons. We get so fixated as parents on their, the agenda of they've got to, they've got to finish mm-hmm. school, they've got to pass, they've, whatever. And that's our agenda. And if we can get over there and figure out, okay, what's in it for you, what's important to you? You know, I'll tell you a quick story. When my eldest was 18, they had three credits left to finish high school. They were in L.A. at a, at a TUI school and really, really, really struggling. And it was, mm-hmm. like, it was looking like they still might not graduate from high school, and they only had three credits left, right? So I wanted to go out there and say, okay, we gotta, you, I'm going to drag you to this success. You can do this, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, I sat down with them and I said, okay, here are your options. This is what it looks like to get a GED. This is what it looks like to finish these three credits. And this is what it looks like if you drop out. So that was the hardest conversation I ever had. But when they chose to finish those three credits, it was their agenda. It was no longer mine. And that shifted everything in the dynamic because I was no longer dragging them, kicking and screaming to their success. I was supporting them in achieving their goal. Mm -hmm. That's the shift. That's the collaborative process. And and I'm just sitting here feeling the anxiety of yeah, myself. Yeah, because I had I to be willing to have them say, I'm going to drop out. That's, yep. That was awful. Right? Yep. Now, part of me knew they really didn't want to drop out. 
You know, and most of our kids don't. If you're in having this conversation, you've got enough of a relationship where yep. you know that that's not what they really want. So I had to I had to trust that I was serving their agenda mm-hmm. by by taking this stand. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was really, really hard, and it felt really, really edgy and really risky. And they needed me to be willing to let them make whatever choice they were going to make to be able to really take ownership. So I'd love to kind of continue on, but I want to kind of start pulling this together. Yeah. Last week we did the show on the mindset. It's not all about tips, tricks, and strategies. It's about mindset, and it's about parents. Often it's got to start with you um, mm-hmm. making some adjustments, and we talked about what that is. This particular call was really just to get into this collaborative conversation, and you've got to meet them where they are. You've got to quit trying to get them to get it, control them. You've got to create that moment of discovery, and there's lots of pressure on you. It's about you and to make this shift. I hope as a parent you're listening to this and you're realizing how hard this is because my mom taught me this. If you don't acknowledge how hard something is, you're not giving it the respect that it's due. And one of the things that I'm grateful for Elaine coming on here is I've had lots of people come on and talk about the collaborative conversation, but few really want to talk about how hard it really is. And I think that we've done that. (laughs) And this conversation is the point in time. Everybody, don't jump off the ledge. You can do this. You can get some support. I'm a big fan of Elaine. And I'm going to tell you, too, that I'm listening to you. I'm listening to all the mistakes that I've made over the years with my kids. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're saying, going, Lord, how did I get this far? But, again, this this isn't easy stuff. But there is help out there. And don't always try to go it alone because this is a little bit of a skill and something that you can learn from a professional. Well, and what I want to say, because because you're right, we have set this up, and, and yes, it's hard, and it's actually kind of clear. Like, there's a clear path. There are four phases that we parents have to move through, and we get stuck in phase one. It's, it's, it's really, this is not rocket science. It's just you need to know what it is and be taught what it is and be guided through these, moving through the phases. But there really is a, a, a process for us as parents, too. So I want to be really clear, there is a path. This isn't just go figure it out. There's actually like there are actually things that we need to do in relationship to our kids to begin to shift these conversations. And it is something that you can learn. And, and it, it does deserve its respect, but it's something you can learn, and it's not that hard. The the one thing that I always often talk about is you can you can go through the process of learning to shift your mindset. It's going to take a little bit of a little bit of effort to do that. Um, but it's also what is the effort just to sit there and try harder every day and just use willpower mm-hmm. to grunt your way through it when you never really resolve the issue. So while it might seem kind of intimidating a little bit, if you do this and you get it, your life will be so much easier on the backside. Hopefully that's very, very motivating. So um, time to wrap it up. Any last nugget? Or are we good? Yeah, I think the last nugget is just you can do this. And, and, and there is a recipe. So get the recipe, follow the recipe. Don't feel like you have to make the whole goulash on your own without knowing what the pieces are. Get the support you need to figure out what the pieces are and, and put them into place. And I want to reiterate, the support that you need is really like help and guidance. I look at Lane as a coach. As I describe to people, I'm just like an athletic coach. I'm coaching what goes on inside. People say that's why I call myself an attention coach. Only Elaine can see what goes on inside of her head. And she can't see what goes on inside of my head, so she's got nothing to compare it to. So I describe to people, I'm like a blindfolded soccer coach. All I do is ask questions to help people 
we go back and forth and back and forth until you have the aha. That really makes a lot of sense. So this is really about helping you achieve what you're capable of. And one of the things that I always – when people come to me, I say, name a professional athlete who does not have a coach. Yeah. Now, I've had people that – like golfers that were in transitions, but nobody's ever – ever come back and said they know of a professional athlete that does not have a coach and they're there to help you achieve what you're capable of and i frame it out on this thing because if you're a parent and you can achieve so much with your kids sometimes you just might need a coach on the parenting skills to help you kind of go forward so with all that elaine thank you again for another spectacular show you're so welcome thanks for having me everyone it's impact adhd you have to go there study it live it put it in your browser your favorites um, again, our secret word tonight is collaborative, and over the last two weeks, we've really uh, addressed some difficult issues. I hope that this is illuminating to you as you realize what you're doing with it. <clears throat> anyway, we hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you've learned something. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.